Welcome to another great episode of After the Season Podcast with your host, J.C. Ruffin. That be me. Uh, listen, I don't know how to properly welcome you into the family if you haven't subscribed, like, share, or commented any of the episodes that you've fallen in love with. We see the comments. We see the shares that you have done, so we appreciate it. Now, do me a favor. Tell a friend to tell another friend so that way they can enjoy the episodes just as much as you have uh, because today's episode is like... Every other one is going to be fire, but the story is always different because we have Jeremiah Brown here today. Lead like a champion. We're going to get into it. Um, But I want to give some backstory for the audience because a lot of the times I know the audience thinks that I've known everybody (laughs) that I've spoken to thus far, um, at least for a long period of time. Uh, But you and I have only known. I don't even think it's been a full year. No, no, no. I've been inspired longer than a year yeah of our personal us knowing each other uh-huh. you know yeah um yeah it's been like like you said like yeah year. it's been crazy, it's crazy yeah. to think about it. but know? as close as we have gotten um you know and ladies he's married so um <laughs> this is a brother to me <laughs> okay <laughs> okay um and we're gonna get into that because i think somebody's healing as far as in their relationship their marriage will get will get helped um, today because oh, yeah. me knowing, Absolutely. you know, parts of your story um, is, is why we're here. But let's take it back as a kid. Did you always know he's a he's a former Jag, a Jaguar, I should say. Let me say it that way. Played in the NFL. You are a vet at this point. Um, but did you always know you wanted to play football? No, that's a great question. I, I, I didn't know, you know. And sometimes my story trips people out. Okay. Because they think that I was the little black boy that I grew up in the hood, which I did grow up in the hood. Right? Okay. I grew up in... For those, you know, watching this that don't know what the hood, that's like the what they call in the yeah. textbook, the low socioeconomic uh, okay, okay. You know, location. And it was a situation where everyone in my neighborhood had hope dreams or you know, Got it. hope dreams Got or whatever it. it was. For me, it was I just knew I wanted something different. Okay. I just wasn't exposed to what different was. So I shared that because I didn't want to go to the league. And I didn't start playing football till I got to high school. Right? Oh wow! So like the the average athlete, professional athlete's been playing since you know they was legit three, yeah. four years old. Yeah, pop one and yeah. I didn't do any of that. I say all the time, one of the best things that my father did for me, in addition to giving me his time, because he had a lot of things he was battling with throughout my childhood, mm-hmm. was he put me in martial arts. Okay. And then being in martial arts and me getting my black belt, it gave me a foundation of discipline. That the, the cats that were just like me yeah. that had the dreams of yeah. the league, they didn't have the discipline. They were stronger, they were faster, but my, my character was just different. My discipline was different. Mm-hmm. My ability to show up and just actually do what I say I'm going to do was just on a different level because of my foundation of martial yeah. arts. It's crazy because a lot of people don't attribute martial arts um, in the sport. They think of it from a security blanket yep. perspective. Yep. Uh, but there's a sport attachment to it yeah. because of the athleticism and the mental IQ 100%. that all goes into being an athlete also goes into martial arts. Yeah, right. Uh, so the, so the, the, the basis of your foundation comes from something that requires you to be diligent, mm-hmm. requires you to have as much um, mental fortitude, if you will. Absolutely. And so going through this process of not even knowing whether you wanted to play sports or not, at what point do you, well, first, where are you from? 
I'm from Brooklyn. So you, so you're from Brooklyn. Yeah. So you've seen it all. Hip hop yeah, era, yeah, the yeah. the transitions yeah. of it all. The gentrification. Yeah. All yeah. Yeah. <laughs> so now seeing that and being from New York, especially in Brooklyn, how do you go from not playing sports, but you're around the mecca mm-hmm. of sports media, yeah. of sports in general? Yeah. How do you go from not wanting to play to when do we get to playing? Uh for me it, it was always about the vehicle as an adult. As a professional speaker, my language is different. Mm-hmm. So I'm using the language of vehicle, but at right. the time, it was just like I knew I wanted different. Okay. So I didn't necessarily associate it with being a vehicle, mm-hmm. but I just knew that, okay, I see what drugs did to my brothers, my father, my family, people in my community. I see what like a nine to five has positioned my mom to do. She's a city employee for the New York... Um, police department okay for over 30 years wow and she, i mean when i tell you my mother she bust her butt every single day and it still felt like it wasn't enough mm. you know and i was like okay like i don't want that even though everyone's pushing me towards that it was like i want something different but i had no idea what it was yeah got to high school and i started playing football because i saw what football did to my pops Right, like when the Steelers came on, he actually took me to my first HBCU classic. It was Grambling against Howard, I think. Okay. And and okay. the old MetLife probably wasn't called MetLife at the time. Um, yeah. Where the Giants play. Right. And the Jets. And I'll never forget just that experience. It planted a seed in me. And when I got to high school, I was just like, I think I want to play football. Started playing football. And I fell in love with the process. I fell in love with doing something productive you know, training, like I literally felt like I tell people all the time, me making it to the NFL Mm. wasn't because it was something that was on my vision board. It was a, it was the result of how I showed up every day because I Mm. loved the process. Just loved it. But (laughs) you said something though, because you you started leaning towards it where you say, you know, you saw what it did to your father. Right. Right. So in the beginning, like how was your relationship with your dad from the childhood space space of it to now determining the fact that you want to actually play football because you first of all you said he's a Steelers fan yeah okay so how y'all live in New York and you a Steelers fan I don't know how he get away with this wait a minute hold on hold on wait 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 I don't get it I still don't get it to this day I don't understand it wait a minute I think it was something about that Steelers Cowboys era okay you know they was Jimmy Johnson and all it okay yeah you was around during that era you are part of some form of adoration for mm-hmm. those yeah I, I was having a conversation with somebody else earlier yeah. this week and i said you know the only thing that probably would have swayed me to become a celtics fan is if lynn bias had officially made it to the league like you <laughs> right, can't right, right, right. you can't right, be right, from right, dc right. and not be a lynn right. bias fan right. so i probably wouldn't have been a lakers fan i probably would have been right. a celtics fan if lynn bias ever made it to the league right. you know long live the goat for sure but please because yeah. i'm sorry yeah no 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 and and, and how that took you know him out how you know drug abuse mm-hmm. took him out yeah. from living his dream i truly believe that drugs and alcohol is what got in the way of my father from him living his dreams wow you know, and him doing what because i would always hear these stories of how fast my father was and how much a great athlete he was and of course he would share those stories with me and those stories inspired me to want to be great right. my father is who really planted that seed of that competitor in me that dog yeah of like you know, oh, you scored three touchdowns, cool. 
you could have scored five, but you didn't. Like, he, that was always his perspective Got when it. it came to sports. And, you know, my relationship with my pops, it, it was tough because he was battling a ton of just just trauma from his childhood and, mm. you know, him being in the service. I want to say my father served in the Air Force, so he bounced around, you know, overseas to L.A. to you name it. And on that journey, he really struggled with, I guess, that identity piece. Mm. In hindsight, me as an adult, struggling with that same identity piece. Yep. And now me and my father are in such a good place because, you know, as an adult, I understand it a lot different, you know, but he gave me his time. And because he gave me and my little brother his time, as a result, we were really able to just do some great things. I, I, I love that you keep mentioning the time and I want to expound on it before we go further, because um, a lot of times, you know, from the male perspective of it, you get from the provider perspective of it, you're a father already. So, you know, you get the provide part, but provide doesn't, provision just doesn't mean monetarily. There we go. And so you said the time piece of it was the most important part. So being able to spend time with him, have those conversations. Right. Um, how important has that been for you, especially from taking yourself back to the kid space of it? Because you said you wasn't getting that at mm -hmm. that point mm -hmm. to now as an adult and being a husband and being a father. How important has it been for you that you can understand what time does, especially? Even as an educator, I'll take it a step further, JC. Like, as an educator serving in the New York City Department of Education for over 10 years, you know, post my NFL career, mm -hmm. I got to see, like, the students who were being provided by, right? I'm talking about, you know, they look hydrated, the nicest sneakers, the nicest clothes, the nicest book bags, always had lunch. But their character was really bad. Their mm. social-emotional intelligence was extremely yeah. low. And it was because their parents were doing the best that they could, like yeah. my parents were. Like, right. they were busting their butt, working around the clock to make sure that me and my little brother had everything that we needed. Just mm -hmm. like these parents that whose kids I'm serving every day, they were trying to, they were busting their butt, but they weren't spending any time. Mm -hmm. So I, I know for a fact that there's a difference from my personal experience and my professional experience of providing for your child that right. provision piece and then actually raising your child and spending the time and having those conversations and willing to be patient. It's so much that goes into this parent stuff that mm -hmm. there are times where I see my father show up right. in my parenting where I was like, damn, why was my dad so angry? Yeah. And it wasn't that he was angry. It was just, he wanted me to be successful. And mm -hmm. when I wasn't that, he didn't have the emotional proper emotional response that kind of respond to, to that respond to it in a productive way and i'm thinking like oh man he's attacking me and he wasn't attacking me that was just the only way he, he knew, knew how, how to how communicate to communicate it Got so it. I, I constantly when i'm doing my homework with my son you know and that's why i'll be honest with you that's why i left my job wow so i'm seven months into this full-time entrepreneurial space as a speaker you know as an author now yeah and you know being in education for so long, I did not want to leave, right? I'm making right. six figures. Um, I love my job of running a school, but I wasn't spending no time with my family. Okay, right? so before so we go that far, hold on, wait, 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 let's backtrack, let's backtrack, let's backtrack, because the people, the, the yeah. people going to be like, wait, 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 okay, hold on, so, okay, so let's backtrack. So in high school, you start playing football. Once you started playing football, you didn't, did you have any sudden moments of, um, 
did you have any fundamentals for the game? Because I know you didn't play like the rec and the pop Warner yeah. part of it. Yeah. So, and you you say you enjoyed the process yeah, of I it all. <laughs> I, I, I was, I didn't even know what all of the positions were in the sport. I didn't even, I, I, I was really bad my first year mm -hmm. and getting that feedback from my dad, you know, who was proud of me, but he always kept it real with me. Like, mm -hmm. look, like just because you are here, don't confuse participation and competition. Mm -hmm. like, you're participating in this. You're not competing in this. So that was the, pers that, that perspective has shifted my world to this day, yeah, yeah. Like, where I just look at things differently and how I speak to students and athletes, it is always led from that space. Yeah, um, you know, so I, I was really bad. I did not have, you know, I did have the discipline, I had the character, I had all of the tangibles to getting the skills, developing the skills. Right. I would say I had all of the intangibles that most coaches aren't intentional about coaching. Got it. Because okay. the expectation in sports is that you have good character. Have, yeah, that yeah, yeah, yeah. power mature, that mm -hmm. you know what you want to do, and most kids don't. But, but it's developed of, over yeah, time. Exactly. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Exactly. But it's developed over time because of the yep. fact that they've already played. So now Absolutely. the character and the, the mindset has already changed from, from that perspective. Absolutely. So leave it. So, okay, take me to your junior and senior year are you playing have you developed yeah, what are I'm you looking like I'm, okay I'm, I'm highly recruited you know teams are recruiting me you know school colleges and universities are recruiting me from all over the east coast i wasn't uh i wasn't ranked so i didn't have any yeah. stars Got it. so you know within that tri-state area of new york new jersey upstate new york you know dmv area i was being recruited mm -hmm. and um you know it was an incredible experience for me, my Achilles heel was test taking, right? Like Got it. I could mine too. That was just something that I was committing insanity. I'll be real with you. I took the SATs five times, still haven't gotten a score to this day. Not that I'm planning to take that anymore. Don't worry, neither am I. <laughs> it's a I few of us that's probably right. not. <laughs> I, I took the ACT, and there were only a few schools that stuck with me. All of the schools, and me just not knowing the recruiting process of right. going to a powerhouse school. I didn't have the information to know that you need a lot of these things before you even enter your junior or senior year. Right. So, you know, I ended up going to a mid-major Division One school called Wagner. Okay. Wagner College, uh, which is in New York. And uh, at first, I'm going to be honest with you. It was a predominantly white college. Mm -hmm. um, I start with that because my entire life, I never went to school with anyone other than you know hispanics black you know asian i never ever went to school with you know where you were the you were always the majority in I your situation always, yes so, you were not the minority right. so now you didn't switch to being the minority 100%. going directly to being the, okay yeah and it was a situation where you know i was confused i was lost i didn't feel supported and me attending wagner college was single-handedly one of the greatest experience because it stretched me beyond what I thought I knew. Wow. You know, and a, a ton of my friends that went the HBCU route, they love it. And a part of me is like, man, I, I was deprived of that experience. Yeah, yeah, I'm you going know? to tell you you work, but, you know, baby, right, HBCUs, right, right. No, baby. <laughs> yeah. And, and for my son and, you know, as an educator myself, yeah. it's like I, I, that's an experience that I would love for my son to have. Right. 
but I do share from the other side of it that me attending the college that I went through and going through the experiences of, you know, racism, you right. know, and um, just being discriminated and then also being supported by, you know, white people. It was one of those experiences for me that it gave me a ton. It, it really, it just increased my resilience as, as an adult now. Especially, but you're an athlete on that campus too. Right, right. So and most people think that because you're an athlete on campus, especially as a PWI, you're already worshiped, but you said you still experienced the discrimination yeah. and the racism. So yeah. um, how did that make you look at life? Because, you know, I just, the NFL has never been like it's been the old, the good old boys club mm-hmm. and still is, mm-hmm. uh, and and knowing that it's led by properly you know majority whites, sure. you kind of got to see the NFL in real time yeah, before yeah, you even yeah. got to the league. And of course, there's other intangibles that yeah. come along with it, but you got to see that. How did that make? Did that deter you by any stretch of imagination? Or no, it just told me that it was a business. Mm-hmm. You know what I mean? There is you know racism, discrimination in so many different spaces and places, right? But Mm -hmm. for me, experiencing that at such a young age, like I said, it gave me just the reps of understanding how to navigate this. Got it. But also not being ignorant to believe that all white people come from this space and Mm -hmm. place of hatred, and and that wasn't the case. There were more people on Wagner College campuses that supported me that didn't support me, but still going through that lack of support in those small spaces. Yeah was life-changing, right? It. it was even traumatizing in, in, in some in some spaces. So going to the NFL, I had to leg up because I knew it was a business. Got I it. knew, like, look, this is a business. This is something that, it's a production. Like, you need to produce. If you're not producing, then, well, most people are so caught up by the lights and the autographs, and it's like, yo, I'm living my dreams. And it's right. like, yeah, you're living your dreams, but your dream is now a job. <laughs> so that's the toughest thing for most, you know, so is the, so the experience of, at Wagner, so playing, um, did you play all four years? Uh, did you stay? Did you graduate? What is that like? What does that yeah, look so like? The, trans- the toughest part was the transition from being one of the top athletes in, you know, the state of New York. Right. And being a scholarship division one athlete to just being a number one in Jersey. Mm. So that transition into college at the time was the toughest thing for me because it was like, yo, I'm really not the guy anymore. Right. right. Like I was fast, but I'm not fast anymore in this space. Yeah. So I had the tools. So again, you literally resort back to your training when faced with pressure. So for me, because my character, because my resilience, because my discipline was intact, I was willing to go through the pain. Now, it was difficult. Yeah. Was calling my dad, crying. I don't want to be here. I'm ready to transfer. I done was on calls like, look, we about to go. I would think I was going to transfer to Dell State University, HBCU. See you. Yeah. I was ready. But then it was just something about being in that storm of, it went back to my pops, you either going to participate or compete. You're in an environment that's forcing you to compete. Right. You're either going to rise to the occasion or you're just going to fall. And I was like, nah, we're going to do the work. And most would transfer, especially like today and with this portal. Man. And NIL. Man. And it's at a space where you're looking at it from like, I don't like the coach. Coach don't like me, but I can go somewhere and I ain't got to put up with this. Instead of sticking it out. And I think that's the difference that, you know, I hate to be that person play that person that former athlete that's like 
you get to make these decisions and not understand how to weather the storm of life because honestly, that's what transfers like our athletic abilities and how we've learned different things Mm -hmm. is what taught us how to be the best version of ourselves in life. So you being able to stick these things out. um, And I think also that comes from you being in martial arts too. So you being in martial arts already showed you that you had to stick certain things out because you couldn't get to the next level. You couldn't get to the next belt if you didn't stick it out and learn and then actually become an expert at that level. Absolutely. Uh, So you, so you go, so you get to Wagner, um, you finish Wagner. And then what does it look like at the draft point? Mm. Like, are you getting drafted? Are you free agent? Are you, how does that look? So let me just pause for a second. Okay. I'm going to be honest with you. That whole experience is still traumatic for me. Woo, all right. Because of, you could imagine, right, like I'm I'm there now, right? I did the work. I overcame that imposter syndrome. Didn't know what it was at the time, but like, man, I don't belong here. I'm not fast. I'm not strong. I, I was, but I needed to just upgrade my, my ability to be faster, be stronger by doing the work. I did the work. Now... I'm projected to get drafted by the Jets and the Jaguars are flying in and teams are flying in to take me and my family out, you know, for dinner. And I'm literally going through this process. And because prior to the draft, I broke my foot in high school. Mm. I broke my wrist. I've had, you know, two concussions, three concussions. I was a used car. Got it. To where that hurt my draft stock. Got it. And although I was still drivable, I was still, in their eyes, an elite car. There were some things that needed to needed yeah to frame damage. Out. Yeah, like we needed to make sure. Like ah, I don't know. So what ended up happening? I didn't get drafted. Spent the entire draft at my girlfriend at the time. She's my wife now, at her home in Long Island. And of course, I'm crying. I'm like, oh man, I didn't get drafted. Literally, right after the draft, my phone's blowing up. Teams from all over are calling me. I call my agent. I'm like, hey, all these teams. He's like, look, you need to get off the phone with me, and you need to call one of them teams back. You already know what team you need to call back. Prior to the draft, my agent, shout out to Ty Barnes, based out in um, L.A., mm-hmm. he sat with me and was like, look, these are the, these are the teams that are potentially going to draft you, or they're going to bring you in for, you know, a tryout of, of some sort. Oh, all right. So it was the Jets. It was the St. Louis Rams at the time when they were still in St. Louis. And then it was the Jaguars and the Bills. The reason why I went with Jacksonville was because, one, their roster on paper was competable. Okay. Right? They didn't necessarily – they had one safety who uh, – there were some dogs on the team. Let me even not discredit. There was definitely some dogs on the team. Um, who were incredible mentors, but no state tax. So ah, because I knew smart. I was going to be on the rookie minimum, me not getting hit three times in New York, if it was the Jets or if it was Buffalo, and then there was talks of them going to Cali, um, the, the Rams. Mm-hmm. So it was just like Jacksonville was a safe bet. And plus, me knowing myself, one of the biggest reasons why going to Wagner was a gift was because God knew me. Mm-hmm. Like he knew what an HBCU would have did to me. <laughs> in terms of just, Don't blame this on us. No, no. no. Like <laughs> my experience of going to Howard and Dell State and all yeah. of that, and I don't want to pivot too left, but those experiences really opened my eyes to just like, yo, 
this is love. It, it ain't for the week, man. though. Right. HBCUs is not for the week. Right. Because you're going to learn about yourself. Big time. Big <laughs> Immediately. Big time. <laughs> and for me, God just knew. Like, <laughs> you just need to focus on this game because what it's about to do. Right? Like, he just knew. Like, I'll never forget certain times I just was like, oh, man, this every day y'all can't <laughs> man, This is amazing. And a part of me, I resent not, you know, going to one. But I digress. Nonetheless, <laughs> you know, me going to Jacksonville, that boy said God just there knew. was nothing in Duval County to distract me from the mission Got it. of making the team, you know. And I ended up getting an invite to rookie mini camp back in 2012. And, um, you know, when I first got there, they were just like, look, what school you go to? Mm -hmm. I'm in the room with safeties from Alabama, LSU, USC, you know, athletes who just won national championships, five-star athletes, you name it. And no one knew where Wagner College was. Right. Some people was just like, wait, who are you? What'd you do? And I was literally probably the last on the depth chart. Wow. And, uh, out of all of those safeties in that room from Power Five schools, I was the only safety who signed after rookie minicamp. Wow. I'm talking about Alabama, USC, any Power Five school, they were in that room. And the head coach, he said it. He was like, it don't matter where you're from, you're here. I was just about to say right. that. And because you're here, it means you belong here. Yeah. You could either get caught up in the lights and the, and the glam or you can actually just buckle down, and I took that personal. Yeah. And when it was all said and done, I was the only safety who signed the deal. And it's 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 crazy because you know with this whole debate about can you can you make it to the league mm -hmm. from HBCUs? Mm -hmm. Can you make it to the league? And here you are, you saying I was at a mid major where a lot of people still didn't even know, right. and it was a predominantly white institution. Right. Um, and so the thought process of can you get to the league from an HBCU uh, without digressing too much, we just had four players from HBCUs playing in the Super Bowl, mm -hmm. two for the Eagles, two for the Chiefs. Mm -hmm. And one of them went to a CIAA school, salute mm -hmm. to, uh, um, what's his name? I can't even think of his name right now, from uh, Fayetteville State. Okay. And so it's just, it, and it was like it was Howard involved in there as well. It was two other schools. And just to have representation to see it. Now, there are multiple players that play in the league from the HBCUs. Half the Hall of Fame, actually, is full yeah, of yeah, HBCU right. athletes. Yeah, and, and, and that, but I think because – I think that window gets shut down a lot because we've allowed players that look like us to go to these PWIs to pat their stats as a school. Mm -hmm. But at one point – you could only go to an HBCU as a black person, especially as a black athlete, mm -hmm. right? Uh, so I think to be able to sit here and say, I made it to the league and sat in the room, before I even made it to the league, I sat in the room with five-star players that came under the Nick Sabans right. and came from yeah. Uh, yeah. Uh, all these other players Carroll, and, and Pete Carroll's and all these other people yeah. and Urban Meyer, you know, except for when he coached at Jaguars. Right, we ain't going to talk yeah. about that. Yeah. <laughs> but, but when he was in the college, right. in the college room, the dude is a god, right? right. But to play under all these to, to be in the room with these people, you like, yo, I'm looking around the room, we still human. Right. So we still got to do the work. Uh, so now you're on the roster. Mm -hmm. How many years did you play in the league? 
one year. I, on, on credit, I have one year. I was there for a year and a half, and um, majority of my career, I was on injured reserve. Mm. Uh, so I caught a concussion uh, right before my first preseason game, and it was a situation where I had already had three concussion, concussions prior to mm-hmm. my fourth one, and it was around the time when the concussion movie had came out. Okay. So when the concussion movie came out, you know, Will Smith being who he is Mm -hmm. in that space, it brought a ton of attention to concussion, CTE. And for those that aren't familiar with CTE, it is a symptom that derives from brain injuries. Right. Right. So, you know, suicidal ideations, depression, anxiety, all of those things stem from what science is calling cte right so at this time parents are pulling their kids mm-hmm. the nfls get a ton of heat because now for the first time they're like yo people are dying because of this right and we honestly don't really have the answer yet we just know that we're working on it so right. now the nfl has done an incredible job of protecting players okay. in ways that they didn't when I was in the league. So I'd like to believe that I'd still be playing if it was 20, 2000, you know, 22 or 23, mm-hmm. um, about 10, 10, 11 years later. But back then it was just like, you're a liability. So we can't clear you. And, and the doctor really told me, the doctor looked me in my eyes and he was just like, and I saw so many different specialists from New York to LA to you know, Florida. So I'm not going to say who this doctor was and what state he was, but the doctor looked me in my eyes and he was like, if you play football, it'll be like you playing Russian roulette. Mm. And for those that don't know what Russian roulette is, it is when you take a gun, you open a revolver, you place one bullet in it, you spin it, close it shut, and you put it to your head. And the the objective of the game is the bullet goes off you're dead if it doesn't you have another opportunity to live another day right when he painted that picture for me i said thank you (laughs) (laughs) i'm done and i had no idea what was next right i had no i'm gonna tell you i was extremely lost and we'll talk about that transition but i just knew that i wanted to be a father one day I knew I wanted to be a husband one day uh, to my girlfriend at the time, who is my wife now. We've been together 14 and a half years, married six, and she's been there the entire way. Wow. And I just knew that I wanted to give back to the youth. I knew I wanted to do everything that I'm doing now. Yeah. I just didn't know in what way it would come, right. how God would develop me, yeah. how he's still developing me, right. what it would look like, what we would call it. Didn't know none of that. But 11 years later, we are here. <laughs> so, but I know it. So, so the but the league minimum to to stay in the league to yeah. get your pension is three years. Three years. Right. So, be, but because you fell under that, like, how did that work in your favor? Did it work against so you? So, what did that look what like? Ended up hurting me even more was and shout out to my agent because I had prior concussions and injuries. Mm-hmm. He was able to put a lot of that into my contract. Got it. So there were some, you know stipulations where in the event that my career ended due to a concussion, I would get a certain percentage of my contract. Okay. Now what that did was it was good because it gave me money. 
Right. Right. It gave me a large percentage of my contract. I signed maybe a $1.4 million deal three years. And the rookie minimum is around four hundred, five hundred thousand for that year. Okay. Considering practice squad to active roster. That's a whole nother story. Right. But nonetheless, I was able to get a large portion of my contract. It wasn't forever money, but it was enough for me to, to at least get started. Yeah. Right. And um, you know, after lawyer fees, agent fees and all of that stuff, I walked away with a really, really in a really good situation. And what that did was it made me more reliability. To where now no team would be willing to sign that deal, especially wow. with the state of concussions. So it was just like, oh, congratulations, you know, you manipulated the system, right? But we not, not but you're not gonna get over on me right. either. So we not gonna sign, you know. And it was, I was able to be on IR because, to be honest with you, my agent told me the moment you say you're okay, they gonna cut you. It's a business. So it was a constant. Wow. So, so that is what really increased my depression. And, and here's the thing. I was still on, most people didn't know this, I was still on payroll back home. Like, literally, they released me, but because of how my agent structured my contract, yeah. I was still... Yeah. So they still had to pay you right. because you, and wow. It took, a, it took a while for all of the, that lawyer stuff to like get situated, but that was also what I didn't know. And maybe if I did know, I probably still would have took the money. But people were suing the NFL. People mm-hmm. were still suing the NFL. Mm-hmm. Till this day. Till this day for money. Right. And that was their way of like, oh, you ain't like on the back end? Yeah. You can't sue us now because we don't give you everything. Got so, it. So, you know, me not knowing, you know, and my agent, his focus was, will you be okay after this? Right. And, and most agents don't think like that. Not at all. Most agents why. don't, they, they go get theirs exactly. and be like, listen, right. we knew this going in, right. you knew this, but at least you, and, and let me ask this because there's some, there's a parent probably watching this yeah, that's going to sure. figure this out. Right. And of course being black, getting a lot of money. Mm-hmm. We go blow it, right? Big time. How did you vet your agent to understand he was the right person to select? Um, I tell, oh man, that's a great question. And there's a bunch of layers to it. And I'll look, my goal is to get straight to the point. Yeah. My agent was for me because he worked with other Jeremiah Browns. Got it. Often my misconception going in was this. I want whoever you know Andrew Luck is going to get. Mm-hmm. Whoever the number one draft. I want that agent. Yeah. You don't, you, that agent is only going to focus on who was going to get them the money. Mm-hmm. Period. Yeah. I needed someone who dealt with my profile. So Got when it. I say another Jeremiah Brown, someone with a similar profile as me, what is his track record? Of course, an Andrew Luck or an RG3 at the time, these amazing, mm-hmm. you know, five star athletes, Heisman Trophy winners, mm-hmm. first round draft picks. How much are you really selling? Right, like they're already, they're already sold. They're right. so they're selling themselves right. to you, and you just praying that you get the call. Exactly. Right. So for me, that was my misconception. I'm like, oh, why? this agent, this agent, and it was, I don't know who it was, but matter of fact, it was Deval Ellis. Deval, you know, he's in media now, killing the game. Yeah. Um, he is who trained me during my pro day. Wow. So before DeVal got into Hollywood, he had a sports performance training company. Shout out to DeVal, Ellis, um, Kadeen, Dolo, Brian, all my big homies. They are, you know, who really 
planted that seed of like, look, you're more than a football player, but here's the game on how to navigate it. Right, right. So with that being said, he was the first person to say, you don't need a million dollar agent. You need someone who knows your profile. So my advice to anyone, you know, and this goes to even colleges, right? Yeah. I'm an NFL athlete. I still wasn't good enough to play at Alabama, right? Maybe my senior year, Got my it. fifth year, but I would have never played, right? right? So it would have just been like you got the credentials, right? To say you went there because my ceiling, my protect, like me going into college, I was still not even a, as good as a five star athlete. Wow. You know what I mean? So me going to an Alabama or a USC, yeah, at some point would I would I've been ready? But a lot of those cats is already league ready. It's just the level of maturity and physical yeah. that they got to grow through. So me getting an agent who had who had a track a successful track record of getting people with from a mid-major school, you know, uh all-American, like someone with my stature yeah. having a success record was most important. And Ty Barnes, he was that and he was able to really just talk to me where I was, yeah. not try to make me something that I wasn't, right. you know, right. and because of his track record, he was able to get teams to, cause that's really what it's about. It's just, as we know, as entrepreneurs, mm-hmm. professionals, it's all about relationships. A hundred percent. So if you don't have relationships, you don't really have an opportunity, Yeah, you know? So Ty Barnes, he, he, he taught me that. So I would say that just making sure that you understand and be willing to get self-assessed be willing to be told you're not going to go in the first round you're not going to be you know you might not get a scholarship whatever it is that you're going through be willing to get that information and say okay even though i'm not going to get a scholarship am i going to give up even though i'm not going to go in the first round or the second round am i going to give up that's really what my advice would be so you made money you made it to the nfl Mm -hmm. you you did everything but win a super bowl and right so Pro for Bowl, for most right, people, right. it's it's a pinnacle, right? Getting into the league, okay? Absolutely. Just to be able to say those words, I'm an NFL right. vet, right? Right. But now you're not playing. You also went in with the knowledge of understanding that you could possibly have a short career because you had concussions. So mm-hmm. your mental capacity was already there, but you still, even with having that ability to self-assess yourself, right. you still went through some dark days. Yeah, yeah. What were those dark days like? And then take me to after you get, as you're going through these dark days, what's your first job as a retired NFL player? Hope the people are ready. Um, Hope the people are ready. So the process was one of the darkest moments of my life. It was 11 years ago, and it is still something that I still struggle with to mm-hmm. this day as a father, as a husband, um, as a speaker in telling my story the way it needs to be told, uh, me publishing my first book. Like, it's gotten in the way. What it did was it, it birthed this season of feeling like I'm an imposter because everyone only saw me as this football player. Mm. So me now in a position where I have to have this conversation of, hey, Jeremiah, any teams calling you? Hey, Jeremiah. Because it was a while to where I couldn't even watch football. I couldn't even, you know, be a part of, you know, 
football. To this day, I've never coached a football team. Wow. Like, and it's something that I've struggled with. And a part of me is like, because I know I'm much more than a football coach. Right. Nothing against football coaches. Um, cause they changed my life, but nonetheless, it was the darkest time because I literally had no sense of purpose. Mm. I remember looking in the mirror back home in the projects, having all this money in my account, like, yo, what am I doing here? Like all the homies on the block is like, yo, bro, you failed us. Wow. Like, yo, bro, you, the, you, the big homie, like you made it. And now you back home with us. And they're thinking like, oh, you just here. Cause you about to go back. Back. And then a month later, two months, three months, four months, and they're like, hey, big homie, like, you still here. Here, like, well, why, like what's good? Here? Like, what's yeah. going on? And I'm like, having to look them in the face and say, look, I'm, there's a strong chance I'm never going to play the game again. And they're like, nah, bro, like, you have to go back. Like, you, you gave us hope. You gave us, you know, you inspired us. And if you don't go back, man, like, you failed us. And, that, and that's what it sh- the conversation shifted to. Ooh. Like, people in my hood, people that I grew up with, all the big homies from the dope dealers to the gangbangers to just the dudes that graduated as well telling me like, yo, bro, like, I ain't gonna hold you. Like, you don't belong here anymore. Like, you failed us, B. Like, breaking my heart and that spun me into this suicidal, like, yo, they're right. I don't belong here anymore. And I'm, I, I took them saying I don't belong in the hood anymore to I don't belong in the world anymore. Wow. So now... I'm having these suicidal ideations. And when I tell people, they're still like, yo, bro, it's not even that deep. Like, you just couldn't play football anymore. See, let me walk you through what this looks and feels like. It is very similar to a, a Marine or an Army vet who is in Iraq or Afghanistan, and they're in battle, and right. all they know is, like, defending themselves. themselves. And now they're back as a civilian, right? and they no longer have to defend themselves. It's tough to transition. Or other people. Or other people, right? So it's tough to transition from something that either you've been doing your entire life or something that has caused so much trauma in your life that you've had to build up this resilience Mm -hmm. to face, and now you have all this strength and resilience, and you don't have nothing to use it for. Right. So it's a struggle, and I tell people, Everyone saw me as a football player. So even when I was trying to be more, it was always a, oh, when you going back to the league? Oh, yeah. like, yo, any teams call you? Yo, what was that experience like? Yo, what you got going on now? And that's the hardest question to answer so after you hard. know it's over. And what, what led to the depression was because I didn't know how to answer it. Mm-hmm. So it was like, yeah, if I had the tools and the resources and if I was prepared to answer it, then it would have been like, oh, okay, cool. Like, things are going to get better. But things kept feeling like they were getting worse. And to answer your question, that led me into literally checking into my first ever job outside of playing professional sports. It was at Hollister for like a week in okay. undergrad. Okay. I'm in the NFL. Okay. First time actually getting a check. So I went from making nine fifty an hour at Hollister for a week to making $28,000 every Tuesday in the league, league to now checking into aisle 16 at Home Depot, wow. where I like putting on an orange apron. Right, and cleaning wow. the garden aisle, right? Like, I'm talking about, like, the, the rat traps and the roach deodorant and, like, the shovels and cutting Christmas trees. Like, wow. literally, I'm putting on an orange apron with my name across, like, Home Depot got the badges, <laughs> Jeremiah Brown. And, and people, excuse me, sir. Literally, until this one day changed my entire life. There were two instances. One, shout out to my brother, Richard Parker. 
I'll never forget this day. Me and Rich have never spoken about this. This is my brother. Like, we play college ball together. This is my guy. Never forget. I'm running to my post to make sure I do what I need to do. This is my third day on the job. Rich is from Queens. I chose to work in Home Depot in Queens because I'm like, I'm from Brooklyn. Ain't nobody in Brooklyn going to be at this this Home Depot. Mm -hmm. I just needed, my mentor, DeVal, was like, you need to just see if you're meant to work for someone. Right. So you need a job. job. I took that personally, got a job at Home Depot, only place that took me at the time. My brother Rich, he had just opened his tattoo shop. He looking at lumber and wood. He's like, oh, can someone help? You know, Home Depot. We need somebody to out. Da -da 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 -da. They send me. I get to out 13. My brother Rich like, yo, JB. Bro, what you doing here? Looking at me, up and down. Put his hand on my shoulder. Yo, bro, you good? Like, you doing community service? Like, what you what you doing here? Whoa. Orange apron on. Like, eyes watery. Looking at him. And I'm like, yeah, bro, like, I'm at work. And I'll never forget the look on Rich's face of just disappointment. Like, he was just disappointed. Like, yo, bro, like. And all he said was, it's, it's going to be it's gonna be okay, bro. Like, you're you going to get through this. And I just never forget going to my car, crying my eyeballs out. Because my brother, at the time, who I look up to, still to this day, you know, he was speechless. And two days later, my fifth day, which ended up, I ended up leaving on my sixth day. But two days later, my fifth day, I'm working in the same garden department. And a parent and her child comes in. I did a youth skills camp every single summer. This parent comes in, mommy, mommy, that's Jeremiah Brown. That's Jeremiah Brown. So I'm like, uh-oh. All I keep hearing is that's Jeremiah Brown. So I'm like, uh-oh, this ain't good. So I don't turn around. Hey, excuse me, excuse me, sir. Jeremiah, hey, Jeremiah, we're um such and such, and we were at your camp, you know, last summer, and we just wanted to say, oh, man, wow. thank you so much for everything for the kids you inspire them so so what are you doing here are you uh doing community service <laughs> so i go yeah 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 i'm doing community service wow and i'll never forget i'm signing an autograph in my home depot, apron, home depot and literally one of my co-workers who was in the other aisle and if you know anything about home depot they don't have your traditional aisles they have like split yeah split. and so you see you literally hear what's happening if you're loud enough this woman was loud enough Long story short, one of my coworkers, he sees, he's like, yo, Jay, Jay played in the league? Like, you played in NBA? Like, what? I'm like, yeah, bro, you know, long story, I'll tell you. Come back the next day, my sixth day, my last day. Everybody in Home Depot, from the <laughs> accessories, aisle one to aisle 25, knew that I worked at Home Depot. You would have thought that it was like a championship walk from the break room to my aisle. And to get to my aisle, I had to walk through the whole store. You could just imagine, oh my gosh. That's him. That's him. Yo, yo. I had this conversation with my, my manager. He's telling, he's he's trying to flex, telling me how much money he's made. I'm like, where's this conversation going? Come to find out everyone knew. He had me close the garden department by myself, five aisles, the largest department in Home Depot. By myself, I have like over 15 return carts scattered across the store. I'm sitting in aisle 16 at Home Depot, literally fall to my knees, 
And I just like, oh God, like, like what's up? Like, like what are you trying to like? What's up? Like, what you trying to do? Yeah, like what's going on? Like, and I just never forget me in that aisle, looking like, yo, like this is my future. Like, how, like what's? I was so confused that I just got up, walked into my car, sat in my car, and just cried. And I never cried that much in one week. Yeah. And I'm sitting there, and I'm like, yo, like, nah, I don't belong here. Like, it's time. Like, what? It's time to pack this up. Yeah. Like, I'm, it's time for me. The world will be a better place without me being angry in it. Wow. So, I never went back to Home Depot since. Now, you know, I was in shop there. Yeah, of course, now. You know. But the next steps are what? So you um, leave Home Depot. So leave Home how, Depot. how do we get to Jeremiah? So the healthy Jeremiah yeah, and, so, and, and and now man, that's big. the the speaker Jeremiah. So Deval Ellis, man. So Deval Ellis, he sat me in his home at the time he was living in Brooklyn and uh who he, where he's from. He sat me down and he exposed me to marriage. Mm. So he's like, Yo, okay. His wife yeah, they got it. they they have like one of the dopest marriages. In- incredible. And I've got to see this before the world got to see how dope they are. And I'll never forget Deval Ellis sat me down in his mother-in-law's place. And he was like, hey, Kay, um, I'm about to have this conversation with Jay. Could you, you know, get us some food? And she was like, all right, bro, Kay took care of us. She was like, I got y'all. She done whipped something up. I'm sitting talking to him. He's like, yo, so what's going on? Like, what you about to do? How was that experience? Crying again. Like, yo, bro, I'm not meant to work for nobody. Like, that ain't going to happen. And he's like, so what you going to do? You have this money, but it's not forever money. The worst thing you can do is touch it. You touch that money, it's like you breaking a $20 bill. We all know what happens when you break it. Yeah. It's that thing gone. gone. <laughs> gone. So I said, okay, copy. What do I do? Deval had a, a program, a company called Elite Prototype. The premise of his company was to train athletes. Mm-hmm. Um, but more more than just athletes like the mental work mm-hmm. what he did with me and my um teammates for the nfl process is what he had a business for so long story short he's like i got something i got an opportunity for you i'm trying to go into hollywood i'm going into acting i'm acting school like this is like the beginning stages about 10 years ago he's like i want you to be the director of you know my program I was like, I bet that sounds incredible. Go, you know, I'm supporting, working, get my first check. And I I was ignorant to understand how business works. Right. It had nothing to do with DeVal and his team. Get my first check. It's $240. Went from making $28,000 every Tuesday. To, I didn't even get a check at Home Depot. Got money in the account. I'm like, I honestly don't need this, but I'm like, 240. Whoa. What's going on? <laughs> yeah. So now I find myself counting his pockets. Wow. Again, nothing to him. Not I intentionally. Was, I was ignorant. Right. Because I, I didn't know business economic. I just didn't know, like, there's overhead. Right. right? So you got 100 kids paying 150. Yeah, you might have 150, whatever the number was, but he's paying rent, he's insurance, t-shirts, 
all all things that I just wasn't privy to. So I'm like, yo, big bro, like, what's up? Like, two fifty. Yeah. What's going on? And you know, he broke it down to me the best he could at the time, and I knew that I always wanted to build something of my own. Mm-hmm. You know, and as much as he's cha- he changed my life, mm-hmm. I just knew that. We had a similar story, mm-hmm. you know, of being from Brooklyn and doing it. And I, I always felt like, man, if I build his dream, mm-hmm. then I don't know if I'll ever build my dream. And I always felt like there was something inside of me yeah. that I wanted to get out. Right. And through that process, you know, he wished me the best. And, you know, to this day, man, he's a big bro. And um, I love what he's doing. So shout out to DeVal, Kadeen, and the big homies. But, yeah, DeVal is really what was that that gatekeeper to really help me tr- make that transition. And even though he exposed me to paying it forward, as he would call it, I was still lost. Yeah. Because he was transitioning from... From out of that space going yeah. into the... And at least he told you in the beginning, so right. you couldn't say you didn't 100%, 100%. know. 100%. So now 100%. today... You you went into you went into the school system. Mm-hmm. You worked there for ten years. Ten years, yep. Ten years, six figures, yep. high paying job. Mm-hmm. You get married mm-hmm. quickly because we. I want to spend time on it, but we're gonna have to bring yeah. you back for it. Sure. What's it like for the spousal part of this, where? She's seeing you broke down, mm-hmm. still trusting your, 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 is she trusting what you, what you see? Because you don't even see it. Right, right, right. How does, what does this do to your relationship? So I'll be honest with you. Me ha- being in close proximity of greatness with DeVal and Kadeem in the beginning stages, it messed with me. Mm-hmm. It, it was to a point where I, I could, I had to remove myself from that much greatness. Wow. And the reason why I had to remove myself, because I call it greatness because it is what it is, Right. I went home and was like, yo, babe, I need you to be like a Dean. Mm. Yo, I devoured, yo, what they got, I need I need to, that. I, we, we need that. And my wife was like, no, we don't. And she was like, we absolutely don't need what they have. We need what, what we have and what we're building. And I'm like, what's that? What is that? What are we building? I need to know. Like, I'm, I can't, I can know. Sheesh. And she was like, no, 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 no. And, what, and them being as great as they were, unintentionally mm-hmm. it was making me f- compare my chapter five to their chapter 30. Like they had more reps. They, yeah. they were in this space a lot longer Yeah, and it took me a while to grow out of that. So in the beginning stages, I'm thinking my wife needs to be an entrepreneur. Wow. So I tell people all the time, even to this day, when they look at their life and it's like, Oh man, they're incredible. They're amazing. They are. Yeah. They're incredible people. But they went through some pain to get get to the where they are before they can know? show it off. Right. So actually, what what they're showing off today is what they weren't proud of years exactly. ago. Exactly. And that's what people don't realize. Like, and that's the reason why I think they're so transparent in their 100%. marriage now. So, so now you're doing. You have the Lead Academy. Yep. Um, you went from six figures mm-hmm. a year to six figures in a few months. Yeah, yeah. We 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 man, my team. Shout out to my team. So the name of my organization. Is lead. Um, we went through so many phases just in branding. Uh, we started off as the lead athletics. Okay. The acronym for lead was leaders embracing athletic dreams. It became a contradicting. My brand was contradicting my mission and where my heart was. Don't you hate that? Always. Ugh. 
So I'll never forget, you know, connecting with one of my mentors now, Jeremy Anderson. And he was J.A. Like, yeah, and Jay was like, man, shout out to him and his team at Next Level. He was one of the first people to say, yo, bro, your brand is dope, but your, your brand is so much bigger than you. We need to, one, remove you from it because you're building a corporation. And, and you keep telling me that you want your corporation to operate on its own. If you didn't want that, I'd be telling you something different. Mm-hmm. Like, make it about you. So he gave me the structure to say, okay, like lead is what you're a spokesperson for. And that helped me get the clarity on how to structure my company the right way. So mm-hmm. lead is now an acronym for leaders embracing all dreams. And we do that through three initiatives. We do that through the lead Academy, which is our social emotional leadership curriculum in which through K through 12, the college space, we support um, student athletes with character, knowing their wealth, building their brand, and even dealing with the transitions in and outside of college. We also have the lead athletics, which is our sports performance training initiative, Mm -hmm. which we train, you know, speed, strength conditioning. Shout out to DeVal. He planted that seed in terms of that portion of it. Um, And then the lead coaching. The lead coaching is our consulting arm where – we consult professional athletes as they transition out of sports. We also provide professional development for coaches and educators on how to better connect with their students and athletes. And those three initiatives is what drive our mission, you know, towards developing, you know, students and athletes sports success. And like breaking that down of what that looks like. So I've been doing this for the past seven years mm-hmm. through that process, imposter syndrome, you know, Every negative emotion, I've experienced it, navigated through it, still dealing with those Mm -hmm. demons. But now what's different is I'm a part of community. I'm in close proximity of greatness of people such as yourself who inspire me just by just showing up. Like if you ask me like, yo, what do I do that inspires you, Jay? Just by you showing up and you doing what you do and operating at the level that you operate it's an honor to be here, you feel me? <laughs> because it's literally iron sharpening iron. Appreciate so me doing what I do, you help give me a different perspective. My village, my community helps give me a different perspective so that I can continue to operate at a high level. Yeah. You know what I mean? So yeah. that is my story, my experiences is what's birth. That pain, those problems that I had to experience at that youthful age, and I'm still young, I'm only 33, but right. so... At my youthful age, it was turning that problem and now seeing myself as the solution, you know, yeah. what really saved my life. But now you're actually able to embrace the process because you're also celebrating another milestone outside of now seeing the financial fortitude with it. Now you just released your first book. Yes, we did. We did. And yeah, major. you already have surpassed your own thought process as to what this is going to do. So I'll let, you, I'll let you talk about that real quick. Man, so, man, you got me getting chills right now just thinking about it. So I just published my first book, Lead Like a Champion. Um, the, the title of this book, I mean, we was going to call it so many different things. <laughs> I wanted to be extremely intentional with my audience, my community, Mm -hmm. which is students and athletes. Because the work that we do is rooted in leadership and leadership being such a broad topic, I found myself in a corporate space. I found myself in so many different spaces where it was like, was I adding value? Sure. But I wasn't dominating a specific area. And it was just like, due to coaching, due to communities, you know, 
it's like, okay, you really need to niche this down. So I started writing this book by myself, writing hundreds of pages, dealing with my negative thoughts. And I was like, okay, heard a sermon and it was like, why do people want things without getting a coach to get coached through it? Mm. And that planted a seed of stop trying to write this book by yourself. Yeah. You need a coach. I found a coach. She literally changed my life. Three years working with her, and it should not have t- taken me three years to get this book out, but I'm a full-time educator. Mm-hmm. I'm a new parent now. Mm-hmm. You know, I have a six-year-old son, and I have a, a l- almost 10-month daughter. Wow. And I'm married. So those are my most greatest assignments. Right. So that's getting my time. Right. But honestly, they're not getting all of my time, my time. because yeah. I'm running a school, building a company. So my book ended up getting the back end of it. Five years later, my book, Lead Like a Champion, is out. Uh, the premise of this book, um, it is a you know playbook, a mm-hmm. social-emotional leadership playbook for student and athlete success. And the goal of this book, we were extremely intentional. One, I wanted this book to be taught in schools. Mm-hmm. Right? So we have a curriculum. We have courses that go with this book. And... It's only 144 pages. Sheesh. You know, I didn't want to write a 300 page, you know, like Will Smith's book. Shout out to, to the big homie Will Smith. Yeah, I'm only doing the audio version. His though. book is <laughs> incredible. <laughs> right? Incredible. Yeah. But it's also intimidating, right? Mm. It was written for the younger generation. It was written for people in our generation. But nowadays, with this achievement gap. Yeah. You give a 13-year-old a book that big, they're not going to read it. How do I know? Because I used to be that kid, and when it's time to read, that 13-year-old still shows up. <laughs> so that's why I listen. Well, that'll do it to you. Right. So I share that because I didn't want my book to be intimidated. I wanted it to be inspiring from the right. moment you hold it in your hands, and I wanted educators to be able to use it. And finish it. And finish it. And get to the point. Yeah. My yeah. Like, shout out to my coach, Ray <laughs> Robert, like, she was like, great story. Yeah. Get to the point. point. Like, you're trying to get these kids to learn something. Yeah. Get to the point. And in that process, it's made me a better speaker. I love it. Um, so, shout out to Sheree Robin. Lee Like a Champion is out now. Yeah. Um, we doing numbers. I'm not going to lie. We are the number one um, sports psychology release on Amazon right now. So definitely. Well, come on over here and join the crowd, big dog. You feel me? I'm not mad at it, man. Um, Before we get out of here, uh, please tell them how they can follow you. You can follow me um, at the number one, Jeremiah Brown. um, J-E at one, J-E-R-E-M-I-A-H Brown, like the color. Um, You can find me on YouTube at Jeremiah Brown Inspires on YouTube. And, um... And at Barnes and Noble and on Amazon, you can find me by typing in "Lead Like a Champion" in that search engine yeah. and picking up your copy. I love it. I love it, Jay. Thank you. No, appreciate, appreciate you, man. You. I'm very honor. proud of you, man. Yeah, thank you. Uh, and of course, this is only the beginning, so that means we need an update. Yes, absolutely. All right, absolutely. well, good people. Uh, another great episode in the books. Not to mention another great athlete uh, that has come through and sit on the couch. Now it's your turn to go do what you got to do, so you can be over here too. Until next time.